This is Channel 253. In this episode of Nerd Farmer. We have never been able to talk about voting or voting rights apart from wealth, class, race, political party, money and politics, right? Like we can look at it now and say we're apathetic or we're disengaged, but I think there is definitely a historical tie as to why certain people feel like their vote won't matter or they don't know the process. Did you know Channel 253 is member supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. This is the Nerd Farmer Podcast, a national conversation through a local lens. Welcome to the Nerd Farmer Podcast, brought to you by our friends at Libro FM. My name is Nate, and I'm your host, chilling in Gorge, North Tacoma, here in the Moo Yard Studios. We are having this conversation the week of the elections, and I want to talk a little bit about what happened here in Tacoma and Pierce County. We had an election with anemic turnout. Uh, the night of, we were told turnout was like 12%, and then it's floated up to be between 20 and 24%. But given the things we have on the ballot and the issue the city faces and the issue the county faces, like, that's whack. And so my initial, my initial impulse is to chastise voters and be like, why didn't you vote? But really, I'm also taking moment reflection and saying, why did the activist class and the civic class, folks like myself, not inspire people to vote? Did people not know there was an election? Did people not feel a passion about the election? I think in particular about the mayor's office. On this show, we talked a lot about policing and the Manuel Ellis case. We had a choice for mayor between, let's be real, a white man with no qualifications, uh, an experienced but flawed uh, liberal, and a progressive offering a different voice. And we did not show up for the progressive. And frankly, up and down the ballot around the country, progressives lost. Nina Turner got smoked in Ohio. Uh, we saw what happened in Seattle. And so I, I'm having a conversation in my head, and I'm going to have a conversation with folks today about like voter activism, voter turnout, voter engagement, voter, 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 everything. I'd like to welcome to the show two esteemed guests. Daryl, welcome <laughs> to the show, man. Welcome. Thank you so much. And Charlotte, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Uh, you all are two of my fave peeps kind of around town in the work that you all do. And we're here today to talk about like voter engagement in particular. Before we get to like the project you're working on, uh, I would just love to hear from both of you. When you saw the returns roll in at 8 p.m. on Tuesday night, what were your thoughts? Daryl, I'll start with you. Indeed. I just I just know that we have work to do. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, it's, I know that we're right on time with what we're doing because it's like we have to get people to understand that this is for them. And uh yeah, we got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Charlotte, how about you? Um, deep sadness, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it, it's like Daryl said, there's so much on the line for us. There's so much on the line for our communities. And we have failed them if we have not properly communicated what's on the ballot and how their vote is really self-determination. It's determining what's going to happen to us, what's going to happen in these areas we really care about. And so we have our work cut out for us. And by the way, you may recognize Charlotte's voice. Uh, she was a guest on the show in the past when she was running against Steve Kirby in the state legislature and had a very, very close election. And like, that's another example, right? Like if we get Charlotte X more votes of progressive folks, then like she is in the legislature rather than Steve Kirby because Steve Kirby ain't it. Um, 
where's the lie? It's just, just facts only. Yeah, facts only. <laughs> all right. Like yeah. no, nobody's like, oh, that's wrong, Nate. Like you all know I'm right. <laughs> no, I'm um, so, so Daryl, talk to me about your philosophy about voter engagement and like what you think needs to happen in the community. Well, you know, I come from entertainment. Like, you know, I have a long history in entertainment. You know, here in Washington and, and around the United States, I've been in all over the country. And like, what I know is that man, it's like we have to bring the cultural pieces into it to make people understand that it is for them. Like. Um, I didn't really get involved in politics myself until I saw people who come from the culture that I come from, come from the background that I come from, um, get into it, right? And it it made me not afraid to poke the process. And so, like, Hmm. if people can see me, somebody who, you know, is known for throwing events, known for being in the music space, getting into it, throwing, you know, what I know culturally behind larger um, political concepts, like taking these 3,000-page bills and, like, putting it in a place, putting it in a... um, in a cup with a handle on it where you could drink it. Yeah. Like, that's what it's about for me. And so, like, that's how I come to the process. Why do you think we're so bad at this? Because the thing that I'm struck by, and, and Charlotte, jump in if you'd like as well, is, like, we look at polling and progressive policies. Like, people want progressive policies. But then when it comes to election time, progressives tend to not win in elections, even in Washington State or Blue State. And so why do you think we are where we are with this? It's like this, right? It's like agreement is not execution. Mm. Right. So like I agree, you agree, we agree, we all agree. But did we do it? You know what I mean? I was like, and are we really in agreement if we don't execute? Mm. So like I think that's the step. It's like going from agreement into execution. And sometimes we have to like walk people Mm. to execution. So it's like, okay, we're going to make sure, you know, and we're going to like we're going to maintain a relationship to walk you across the line. Charlotte, you have the experience of being a candidate for office in a fairly safe blue district. Mm-hmm. What did you learn in your race that you're applying to your organizing work now? Well, um, I think that it is the responsibility of our elected officials, leaders in our community to engage voters on and off when they need their support, right? Mm-hmm. Not just on election year, but to constantly be keeping them informed about what's on the line, what's important to them, what they should be executing for them in their elected positions. And that's just not happening. Yeah. Right? Over and over again, I heard at the doors, I heard on the phones, this is the first time anybody's ever come to my door. No one's ever talked to me about this before. So I think there is a disconnect, like Daryl said, between what we agree on and what we execute. But I think there's a basic misunderstanding on what we can do to execute those things, right? So I may see that my friends and neighbors are without shelter, and I may want to fix that problem. But maybe I don't know that voting in this municipal election actually has a direct impact on citing affordable housing in our community. I think we're using language that is inaccessible. Mm -hmm. I think we're not meeting people where they are, and we're not communicating properly. And though I do think it is the role of government to do that, I think in the absence, we have to step up. Facts. So talk to me about the effort that you all are undertaking and the work you're trying to do in this vein. Absolutely. So the reason we're here today is to talk about this new initiative we're launching called Voter Turnup. And we're launching it on August 28th at Wapato Park with a big party, bringing in the cultural elements that Daryl was talking about. We're going to have food. We're going to have music because we can't change hearts and minds on an empty stomach, right? We know that's not how it works with our community. Uh, And we're going to talk to each other about registering to vote and voting. We're going to talk to each other about the things that we care about, deep canvassing. I think a lot of people, I mean, We live in a state that has great voter registration laws, but Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of people in the gaps, right? Like a lot of people think they're registered and they're not. A lot of people think they're not registered and they actually are. If you move addresses and you fail to update your address, you may not be on the voter roll, 
right? So it's basic stuff where we just need to be checking and making sure that we're getting that ballot in the mail, and then we know who to call or where to look when it's time to vote. There's a term you use that I want to unpack for the audience, deep canvassing. So, like, we, I, I think the typical person knows what canvassing is. So what's the difference between canvassing and deep canvassing? Yeah, so canvassing is what we normally do on an election cycle when we want to procure someone's vote, mm-hmm. right? So we're looking at a population of people that are already registered and who most frequently vote. So we basically go talk to those people and say, you're voting. Can you vote this way? Yeah. But what we don't do in those years when we don't have time is talk to people who are registered and maybe not voting or maybe unregistered and take time to actually get to know what their concerns are. Mm-hmm. So deep canvassing entails spending an hour three one-hour conversations, however many it takes to really understand what someone's needs are and get them from hesitancy to execution. Where does this idea of deep canvassing come from? So, like, I've heard the term in ed advocacy and, like, folks who go out and, like, do home visits to parents. Yeah. Uh, where does this come from and how, how has this idea, like, made its way into politics? I'm not sure the origin of it, right? But I know that it's something that is executed by great organizations like One America, who's been a real supportive partner in this venture, um, and understanding that our people take more time to understand and navigate a process that was basically not meant for us to navigate. Yeah, yeah. I I read something this summer that I really appreciated that I'm going to, like, put in my classroom conversation that, like— Political participation is not about – and political knowledge is not about intelligence. It's about like how much interaction you have. And communities who have been excluded from politics aren't dumb. They just haven't been included in the system. And so like they're not engaged because they have no exposure to it. And so I appreciate that a lot. Uh, Daryl, so I assume voter turn up is your your, your phrasing. (laughs) (laughs) How did you know? (laughs) So I'm in in on that 100 percent. So where did that come from and like why are you trying to do this? Man, so honestly like the phrase was – it was just kind of a – it was a, um, it was just a turn. Of, it was like a, it was just flipping the phrase "voter turnout." Yeah, and just like you know, you know, voter turn up. It's like just like you know, we got you know, we voting and we turning up. It's like it just goes together. It's like it's the, like it's it's everything that we want to do. It's like we want people to vote. And we want people to have fun voting and be a part of it. it. Don't it doesn't have to be this ceremonial sure. process. It's just a a part of everyday life. Let me also remind you of some of your brilliance that you shared with me when you came up with this term, which was we had a really difficult year, no doubt about it. Everybody did as a collective society and as individuals and suffered a lot of loss. Um, And we saw a lot of people take to the streets, especially around uh, Manny Ellis and George Floyd and a lot of stuff that we saw taking place nationally. And Daryl really harped in on this concept of like existence as resistance, as joy, as being our biggest resistance and just being proud of who we are, bringing our full identities uh, to the vote, right? We we know that it's closely tied to our identities, and our identities have yeah. have been weaponized and used to exclude and yeah. include, and then yeah. exclude people from voting. And so it's it's something that can't be left out of this conversation. For sure. Something that I'm struck by is the extent to which the political right is better at this kind of stuff. Yeah, super better. What are some examples from the right that we've seen that we want to co-opt to bring into our community? And not saying we want to, like, uh-huh. copy Camp Trump, but, like, what are some ways, some specific things that we can do that we want to do that we know they do to be more effective? Mm. There's not a lot I want to borrow from the right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, I'll say it, that. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, honestly, it's, it's just I don't think – it's like, you're right. I don't think we want to borrow anything from the right. I think it's just we know – what we're not doing. We know that we're not being aggressive. We know that we're thinking that agreement is execution and that's not the truth. Yeah. Like, we got to touch the people. Get Like, it's like when I see artists, right? It's like a gripe that I have with artists and, like, like I don't see artists out here stretching for the ball, mm. right? Like, like 
you got an opportunity and you're not stretching for the ball. Like you could you could score a touchdown if you if you stretch, right? And they're just like being cool about it. They excited that they look good in their uniform. And like that's what I feel like a lot about a lot of politicians too. It's just like we are not stretching for our people. We are not we don't have a level of aggression that like I see on the right. Like the the right like they they they're pushing. Mm-hmm. I, I see I'm saying I saw like I used to see Trump signs everywhere. Mm-hmm. I didn't see like signs from Biden. I was like, oh, we're about to lose because like mm-hmm. the Trump the Trump signs were everywhere. So I'm just like, I think that the whole idea is us stretching for the ball, stretching for our people, touching the people in a way that we know, you know, in a way that we know will work. Because I'm like, man, if I saw a flyer for this event, I would go. Right. Right. I would go, and I'm like, well. It's like, oh, you know, oh, Rocky and them, they're going to be, they, they, oh, he's going to be playing? Oh, that's going to be a good show. Oh, oh, Jarvis going to be playing? That's a good show. Oh, they got food up there? That's going to be fun. It's like, Wapato, that's going to be a good, that's going to be a good Saturday. Are they talking about voting? I mean, this, this should be pretty cool. It should be positive. Yeah. I would go, right? And so it's just thinking about ways to touch people that are like ourselves in ways that they, in, in engaging them in, in, a, in a process they may have not been in, engaged in, engaged with before. Yeah. And, I, and I appreciate for the record that this is happening at Wapato, yes. which is where the people are. This is not happening at the waterfront, like Freedom Fair. You know, mm-hmm. It's not happening at <laughs> Wright Park. It's happening at Wapato. Shouts for that. Charlotte, you want to say? Yeah, no, I just wanted to add. So I'll say that one thing I do think that is going effectively um, on the other side of the aisle is really concise messaging, right? So mm-hmm. obviously it's fear-mongering that's mobilizing a lot of people, which is very wrong. But I think that we do get convoluted in the way that we explain things, right? Mm-hmm. If we can be really concise, like vote because, do this because, yeah. if you do this, this will happen. I think that's something we don't do well. And I think it's because we have a big, you know, we have a big tent party. People are allowed to disagree. We're allowed to say different things sure. and everyone's welcome. But it also doesn't allow us to have a cohesive message that mobilizes people. I'm struck by the extent to which we are all saying the word we in this conversation. Sure. And so I'm wondering, when you say we, who are the institutions, who are the mechanisms, who are the structures you think should be doing this work that you're trying to nudge to do this work? Like, is this is a party apparatus that's not serving the community? Is this like a legislative uh, district thing that should be happening? Is this like outside pressure groups? Like, like, like we're all saying we, right? But like, who, <laughs> who's the we in the conversation? Yeah. Well, okay. When I think of people that should be charged with doing this work or should be already leading this work, it is the political institution. It is the apparatus. Um, But when I say the broader we, I think it's we, the people, we, the activists, we, the community members who are really stepping in to move this on the ground. All right. You have a bunch of data in front of you. And and I want to get into this data and have that conversation. We'll take a break first, though. This episode of the Nerd Farmer podcast is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM is a seller of audiobooks and is my choice, uh, my bookseller of choice. What I love about Libro is, is if you buy a book from Libro, uh, you can share a portion of the proceeds with, the, with your local bookstore. And so, for example, when I buy a book, it benefits King's Books in Tacoma. Um, I want to share a few of the topics and a few of the titles I listened to recently, and maybe you might want to check them out. Uh, the first one is a book called Sky Hunter by Marie Lu. Marie Lu is a young adult sci-fi writer. I first fell in love with her writing when she wrote the Young Elites trilogy. Uh, the bumper sticker on the Young Elites is, is imagine the X-Men being created during the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah, sounds dope. 
Um, the next one I want to recommend is called 400 Souls. It's a collection of essays that is edited by Ibram X. Kendi. Uh, essentially, each one of these essays in the book is telling the story of Black America one year at a time. And so it starts with 1619 and then walks through the history of Black America uh, and some of the some of the, the, the things that black Americans had to co- overcome. It's frankly a sobering book and a dark book. Uh, there are a couple times where like, I was like, I'm, I can't mess with this right now. I had to, walk, had to walk away from it. But like, that's also the history of black America. Uh, the last book I want to recommend today is called Chlorine Sky. It's written by a writer named Mahogany L. Brown. And essentially it is a book written in verse that tells the story of a young woman who basically is in love with hip hop and basketball. If you've ever read the book uh, by Sandra Cisneros, uh, The House on Mango Street, imagine the house on Mango Street updated for today and censored on hip hop culture. So if any of those sound great to you, go to LibroFM.com. If you sign up for an account and use promo code Tacoma, you will get one free book, your first book free, and then your ongoing membership will be $14.99 a month. Again, Libro FM using promo code Tacoma. All right, back to the show. And we are back. As always, I want to thank you for downloading the show. Our goal here is to bring voices and conversation points of view you don't get elsewhere. You're not going to hear a conversation about engaging progressive voters uh, to this extent anywhere else in the local media market. You know that. I know that. If you enjoy what we're doing here, I'm going to ask you to join Channel 253 as a member. Membership is cheap. It's cheaper than IPA. It's cheaper than a mocha. It's cheaper than like a burger. It's $4 a month, $40 a year. Uh, If you join, you get access to our memory Slack. And on the Slack, there's a hopping conversation right now about our next book club selection. We have selected the book An Ugly Truth, which is some deep reporting on Facebook and all its awfulness. Uh, I've talked on this show about my thoughts about Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. He sucks. And uh, (laughs) if you want to read the book and uh, rage against Facebook with us online, you can do so using hashtag NerdFarmReads. So two things. One, check out the book An Ugly Truth. And then number two, if you're not a member, become a member. If you're a member, you get access to our member Slack. And that's where the conversations are happening right now about the election and the results. All right. Charlotte, Daryl, back to you all. So, Charlotte, you are coming in here with a bundle full of data. <laughs> and a point that you made in the first half of the conversation that I want to hit again is, is that so when I teach over in UAE, one of the things we do is we look at various state election laws. And a piece of data that I have in my head is, is basically well, two parts. The first states to go vote by mail in the U.S. were Utah, Washington, and Oregon, which are among the most white states in the United States. Mm -hmm. And the other data point is basically the higher the black population in a place, the more difficult it is to vote, with the most difficult places to being to vote being in the South, which is also the most black part of the country. So essentially, we have some of the best voting laws in the country in Washington state, but voter turnout still isn't popping. And I think that's a part of this conversation we're having right now about like engagement. And so just talk to me about some of this data you have. I love the data. I brought the data. So I wanted to see what the need was in the Tacoma area Mm -hmm. to do this work, right? We don't want to just do this work to be doing this work. We wanted to see what were the actual facts on the ground. So if you look at the three legislative districts that touch on Tacoma being the 27th, the 28th, and the 29th, you'll see that about two-thirds of the eligible population are registered to vote and only about one-third actually vote. So if you look at the voting age population and you sort of add that up, on average, we'd have about 90,000 people in the area who are eligible to vote and aren't registered and about 70,000 who are already registered and not voting. So that gives me a target. And like you said, it's it's more likely, even if we don't know exactly who these people are, that they are people of color or people in our community who, yeah. you know, are just kind of falling through the cracks. One of the points that I've made to students and the community also is that, like, 
the people who vote are old folks because yeah. like they have they real they, they realize that they have more to gain or lose by electoral choices. But then oftentimes younger folks and low income folks don't feel like they have to lose or gain, but actually are more vulnerable to choices and policy that are made by yes. the government about housing, about policing, about education, about streets and everything else. Your data shows the same as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a I think it's a failure of the system. Right. Like we continue and perpetually hear from these people who stand to be the most affected mm -hmm. that they feel like their vote isn't going to make a difference. Right. It's like this narrative that we keep getting over and over. I'm going to vote and it's not going to tip the scales. And when everybody believes that and I think it it's out there for a reason that mm -hmm. disinformation is out there precisely to suppress voters, it becomes a reality. Yeah. Right. That's why we're out here to talk about it and to empower people with the information they need to determine their own future. Yeah, that's a really good point because, like, we see all these narratives in media about voter suppression, but that's not happening here. Well, it's – let me say it differently. What's happening in Georgia is not happening here. Like, here we vote by mail, yes. paid postage. Mm -hmm. You can drop it at the bus barn. And so I'm often disappointed in voter turnout numbers, but it's to that point that we're not connecting with people, I guess. Yeah, and I would also just say I, th I think there's a reason why we see disproportionately low, low numbers in our in our communities, right? Like we have never been able to talk about voting or voting rights apart from wealth, class, race, sure. political party, money and politics, right? Like we can look at it now and say we're apathetic or we're disengaged, but I think there is definitely a historical tie as to why certain people feel like their vote won't matter or they don't know the process. Yeah. Daryl, when you encounter people doing this kind of work and you're talking to folks about this, the term that we use in class is political efficacy. Like when you meet somebody and they're like, oh, like how do you respond to that when they say like my vote doesn't matter, I don't vote? How do you engage non-voters? Because what we're doing right yeah. now isn't working. Yeah, for sure. It's it's really the conversations that I have, I, I really tell people it's like, yo, like everything that you see in this world was was made by someone who wasn't afraid to poke life. You hmm. know what I mean? And not by anyone who's more intelligent than you. Um and the biggest thing, too, is, like, it's about building coalitions. It's not necessarily just about your vote. Mm -hmm. It's about your vote and your homie's vote and your mom's vote and your cousin's vote. It's really about, like, anything you want to get done, how do you build coalitions, right? Because it's like, how do you build a mass of people? Like, your vote counts and your ideas count, but it's about, like, building numbers for your ideas, right? And so that's kind of how I, like, talk to people. It's like, yo, like, what do you want to see happen move in the direction of what you want to see happen with your vote and tell people to vote with you, yeah. you know? Yeah. And can I can I add? So Please. here's how we know that coalitions work, right? Because it worked in Georgia. Yeah. And every single time that we see something like that happen, like we get a victory with razor thin margins, mm -hmm. there's a backlash. And there's a backlash right now, right? I, I, have, my, I have my other stat, right? <laughs> 17 states yeah. since that time have passed 28 voter suppression laws. And we know that there's a battle in Texas to get this done as well. Mm -hmm. So we know it's effective. We mm -hmm. know that organizing and getting each other to vote works and yeah. makes a difference. And I think we need no further proof. We exactly. have to get organized here because it works. Yeah. And it's interesting that like thinking about data and organizing. So like, look at Arizona, right? So Arizona is a state of Barry Goldwater, yeah. John McCain, mm -hmm. and it now has, well, uh, he has one for sure Democratic senator and then Kristen Sinema and then <laughs> <laughs> a Democratic yeah. governor. If I would have said that to you about Georgia, sorry about Georgia, about Arizona 10 years ago, you'd be like, no yeah. way in hell, right? right. Yeah. But like that's the power of activists getting engaged in the community. Uh, on the flip side, though, if those folks don't see results from those elections, like they're not going to turn up. Mm. Uh, Charlotte, 
Mm-hmm. Daryl mentioned earlier on, like, his kind of awakening and how he got involved in politics. I, I wonder about you. Like, you strike me as somebody who was very plugged in, very knowledgeable. Uh, how did you arrive at this point where you're the advocate that you are instead of being passive? Yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't always plugged into the political process, right? Like I've shared with you before, I'm I'm from an immigrant family. My yeah. parents came here from Mexico. They were not really politically involved. They cared mostly about education and making sure that we had an opportunity to have the basic essentials covered, right? It wasn't until after college when I took my first internship uh, in Congress. I was very lucky to get a paid internship through a third party, mm. which is not very common. And we should make those paid so more people like us can go intern there. Facts. Uh, But, you know, I saw how decisions were being made about my community without my community in the room, Mm. right? And you start to see that knowledge is power and you start to see that if folks understand that they can call and weigh in, um, they're going to get hurt and everybody else is not. And so just sort of following that that process and following that through various jobs that I've had and now, for example, working in the environmental sphere – I was uh, sharing earlier, I grew up in Pasco near the Hanford site, and we've got a nuclear waste repository on the Columbia River. And it's something I didn't know about growing up. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was could possibly affect the water I was drinking or the fields that our family members were working in. That's not right. So we have to put that information out there. We have to empower people with the information they need to advocate for themselves. I feel like there's a couple of other forces that should be in this conversation about mobilizing communities, and one is organized labor, and one is the faith community. And Mm -hmm. so I wonder, to what extent are you looping organized labor and the faith community into efforts as well? Yeah, we are working on it. We want to be partners with existing groups that are already doing great work and plugged into their own communities, right? Because it's not not for me to walk into a community and say, you should follow me. But it is a good idea to call folks at the Tacoma Action Collective, to Mm -hmm. call folks in the faith community, to call folks at the Asia Pacific Cultural Center and say— hey, we want to connect with you. We want to partner with you on this. And that's what we're working to do. Um, so the voter turn up event is on August 28th. Yes. Hopefully folks hear this before then. They um, Just got to call it. What is the long term plan for you all as far as like organizing into November and beyond? We want to recruit volunteers, right? So this is a launch event so that people can learn about voter turnout, but we're hoping not only to register people Mm -hmm. there, but to bring people into the movement, right? If we're not building new leaders, we're not building movement at all, right? We got to get folks to volunteer to do registration. We got to get folks to volunteer to do deep canvassing and get us through the general election. But we don't want to stop there, right? After that, we want to be having events so we can educate folks about cool, we're in legislative session. Here's what they're going to be talking about. Here's how you stay engaged and sort of sustain this throughout yeah. right into the next election absolutely this is uh this is just the beginning this is just definitely just the beginning growing people um you know moving ideas getting people into the process so this is just uh this is just the uh the pilot episode of a, of a hopefully multiple seasons have you faced any challenges along the way in this effort or has it been pretty smooth sailing so far It's been smooth sailing so far. I think what we're finding in a lot of the folks we want to partner with is, yeah, we've been thinking about doing that. So it's kind of like we started to build it and then people brought their hammers and all this stuff and they want to help build it. Oh, that's interesting. I I, I often feel like with efforts like this that like folks like you are saying to these kind of institutional organizations, like this is the work that needs to happen. And they're like, oh, we're already doing that. We're already doing that. So they're actually people joining into the work and doing the work. Well, Yes, in other areas. Okay. I cannot stress enough how much of a forgotten area Tacoma feels like in Pierce County in general. So if I come to partner organizations that we are working with, for example, One America and Fuse, who are doing great progressive work, they'll say, we're doing that in King County. We really want to do that in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. If you start it out, we'll come. It's just not existing here. Uh, sorry, my brain just collapsed on itself a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Why? 
I mean, I'd like to know, right? Yeah. Like, it, it's not uncommon for me to, you know, I've I've joined a couple uh, movements and boards and organizations post-election, and it is shocking to me how few of us there are from this area. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just me. Sometimes it's just me and one other person. So I think people will use this argument of, like, resource allocation, and they've put a lot of resources into certain areas, in particular King County sometimes the east side, sometimes they'll be like, okay, well, we see some movement in Yakima, yeah. but it is, it's pretty lonely down here in Tacoma. If I was to put you, so let's, let's, let's be transparent here. You're a progressive person. You're a progressive person. I'm a progressive person. Uh, in the United States, there's a two-party system for better or worse. And the Democratic Party is where progressives end up voting, even if we don't always feel like we belong. If I was to put you in charge of the state parties, what are some things that you would do to drive voter engagement besides the efforts you're already doing? One thing we don't do is poll people of color. Like mm-hmm. we we don't even do that at the party level. Mm-hmm. So I actually I don't want to say we. I will say the current <laughs> party sure, sure, sure. is not doing that right because what happens is people get stuck on the people who are already registered and are already voting. I said they're really just trying to win over the people that are already voting. They are not doing deep canvassing. They're not canvassing year round. They're only canvassing on election year, and they're not even taking the time to engage with our communities to see like what's top of mind for you, because. Climate change, big issue, not top of mind for our communities, could be a number of reasons. We might just be talking about it the wrong way, but we're not taking time to find out. Well, that's a frustrating point as well, because like, here's the thing, with any environmental issue, low income people and people of color are going to pay the price. Absolutely. Right? Like, like... Housing affordability, like the, the housing near sites that are polluted is more affordable. Low-income families are there. We have more exposure. Yeah. Like it's, it's, Absolutely. It's, it's, it's just, it happens all the time. And like we, we – environmental movements that don't have people at the color table at the table are not environmental movements. They're just like white identity movements, period, full stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm really curious. It's, 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 whenever I go to like an environmental like gathering or event, I'm yeah. just like – I, this work is important to me. The communities who are impacted aren't here. Like, how can we do this? Um, and it's just a point of frustration. Yeah. Um, I, I want to kind of just talk through what you all are up to besides doing this work for a second. So, like, Charlotte, you, you ran for office. Mm-hmm. And um, I hope you run again. <laughs> but what are you up to in between, like, election, election cycles? Uh, well, I still I worked full time during the campaign. Mm-hmm. I work at the state environmental agency. I, I do that. I'm addressing your frustrations and trying to bring in communities <laughs> that are often left out of the conversation. We just passed really big environmental justice legislation um, through the state legislature that we're working to implement in a really equitable way. Wait, wait. Tell me more about that, please. OK, the HEAL Act mm-hmm. 2.0. So basically this mandates state agencies to uh, consider environmental justice into the, the decisions they make, whether it's uh, agency request legislation to the state legislature, whether it's the way that we give out grants, yeah. the way that we cite projects, the way that we review new permits. So basically, we have to figure out we're building a whole new office at the Department of Ecology, a five-person office to do community outreach and to basically assess everything that we're doing at the agency and making sure that it's not just language access. It's what proactive work did we do to bring folks in? Did we provide more than just a public comment period? Did we consider pre-existing health impacts before we approved this project and so on? It's so interesting you mentioned the public comment period because, again, I think about who shows up to those sessions, right, and who shows up to Zoom meetings online when having city government who's, who's excluded from those. Uh, Daryl, I, I feel like whenever I see your name, you're making moves someplace. So, like, what are you up to nowadays? Man, a, a little bit of everything. Um Gee, like what? So big thing, um, the New Pacific Northwest playlist on Apple Music. I'm the curator of that. Every week, um, anywhere between 50 to 65 new um, hip-hop, R&B, pop um, songs on Apple Music. Definitely check in on that. This will be week 27. So like definitely, definitely get get with me, support me. 
I'm, I'm trying to do something that's never been done. We're available in 167 countries. Like, let's get to work. Like, stretch for the ball. I can, anything inside Apple, I can help you get done if you're an artist. Um, that's happening. I'm producing some TV shows, um, like, kind of, like, doing, like, line production, making sure, like, the backroom stuff is handled on some of these shows. You'll, you'll see some of the work. You'll see some of the stuff I'm doing um, on Amazon next year. Um, what else am I doing? Obviously, voter turnup is huge. And it's just a bunch of stuff, man. I'm like, I'm an African, man. I got like 20 jobs. <laughs> that's, that's what we do. That's what we do. Night Show is going to be back, you know. Yeah, so talk about Night Show, because Night Show was not on my radar till this week. Yeah, so, man, so starting and so I used to work at Revolt, right? I used to work for Revolt for Sean P. Diddy Combs. I did, like, the Revolt Music Conference, helped produce, like, Drink Champs and a bunch of different things. Um... And so when I was at the Revolt Music Conference in 2017, I was like, fam, we got to bring something like this to Tacoma, where it's people being in the room with people that can change their lives. Like, you know, you go to Revolt Music Conference, you'll meet an a from Atlantic. You'll meet, um, the, the pub- you'll meet the publicist for this person. You'll meet 21 Savages manager or whoever. You'll meet the people. And I was like, okay, there's so much talent in Tacoma and we don't have platforms. So I was like, okay. I've been in the music business a long time. You know, I, I, I came into this thing in a long time ago, probably 15 years ago, running around with some folks. And then I ended up working with, working with Sky Movement for some years and managing Will Jordan, who's, you know, a legend. Phenomenal, phenomenal. And, like, so, like, I, I've been in this a long time, so I'm, I know people. So it was like, okay, how do I use what I know to, like, use who I know and what I know to bless the city with opportunities? So, like... I called in, you know, Carly Hustle, you know, who's, you know, from Apple. I, I called in Lenny Yes from Rock Nation. I called in a lot oh. of people from, you know, across the business so that, you know, people, they could come to Tacoma and people from Tacoma could meet them. I'm not hiding. I'm not I'm not lording these people in front of you. Like, I tell them, go out into the crowd, take the cards, listen to the music. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what we were doing. Um, we started in 2018. We did, like, a series of maybe, like, six shows. We're going to be back later this year. And, um... That's what it's about. And thank you, Alaska Airlines. Shout out to Alaska. They they have uh, been amazing partners in this, too. My airline of choice as well. You know? The best <laughs> the best in the game. Who's better? That cheese plate, bro. That cheese plate, for real. For real. <laughs> you know? Can't beat that. So I want to make sure that folks get down, like, the information about the event. And yeah. so what's the URL and what's the date for the event again? Indeed. So it is voterturnup.org. VoterTurnup.org, VoterTurnup.org. Say it again. Three times. VoterTurnup.org. <laughs> All right. And it's August 28th from 2 to 6 p.m. Wapato Park, that's 6500 South Sheridan in Tacoma, Washington. 6500 South Sheridan, Tacoma, Washington. Make sure you get that down. We'd love to see you. You know, Rocky Sandoval, Jarv D, the mayor of Tacoma is going to be there. There's going to be amazing food. Make sure you come through. Tap in, y'all. Tap in. Uh, if people want to follow each of you online on the socials, where should they look? Charlotte, start with you. Uh, at Charlotte Mena, which is spelled, should I spell it? Please do. S-H-A-R-L-E-T-T-M-E-N-A. Indeed. And you can find me everywhere at IMD Cruz. So I-A-M-D-C-R-E-W-S. Okay. And that's everywhere. And I'm not going to put Charlotte in the position of confirming she's running for office in 2022, but I'm going to look across the table and just say, I would love the opportunity to support you again. I would love to give you the opportunity to support me again, Good is enough. all I'll say. Good enough. Well, kind of forever, y'all. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, wash your hands, wear a mask in indoor spaces, make sure you're vaccinated, and convict the police that killed Manuelas. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. 
I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Hi, Everyone wants to party with a data nerd? Looking, looking, looking. <laughs> nope. That's my, it is. It's my new tagline. Nerd Farmer is part of the Channel 253 podcast network. Check out our other shows, Interchangeable White Ladies, Give Me the Mic, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Crossing Division, Citizen Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.